Welcome once again to Devotional. This is lesson number three for Monday, November 5th. Alright, let's move right along to the next symbol uh, we covered already uh, while looking at the body. And we'll look at more, more in depth on an uh, upcoming episode with that. But being the people of God and uh, being... Um, Call out of that furnace uh, and every day investing time to recognize further and further the voice of God through His Word. Uh, on Monday, we're going to be looking at a church unity, a oneness in Christ through the image or the symbol of family or a household. And I thought about, you know, what keeps families together, and it wasn't very difficult. I, this was one of the easiest days to uh, bring out some beautiful imagery out of um, or practical imagery from the family. And I want to focus on three different things. Um, the first one is um, families that want to be experience oneness need to eat together frequently. I'm going to say that again. Families that want to experience uh, oneness need to eat meals together frequently. And I'm going to read to you some statistics. Um, family dinner means better family relationships. Eating meals together has the potential to strengthen family bonds and it provides a daily time for the whole family to be together. You know, I think I remember reading that. Uh, you and I read this together in the book of Acts. Remember what the church did on a regular basis? Uh, we studied this last week, actually, when we looked at the big four that the church did together. Um, they ate meals together. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 says, Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They didn't just have meals um, once a month. <laughs> Did I just say that? Mercy. Um, or even twice a month. Man, they ate daily. And I realize, right, we are in 2018 in America. But certainly, um, I think we need to really look at this. Right? If, if a family is going to eat together um, and through that eating and sharing a meal together experience oneness, we should definitely put efforts and invest in those things that will promote those things. And here's something very simple. In fact, Jesus uh, mentions this very clearly in the book of Revelation to a very lukewarm church, a church that probably doesn't want to meet very often or doesn't see too much value in um, eating together. And Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And listen carefully. If anyone hears not my words, but my voice. Same, same allusion as to yesterday. You know, the hearing the voice of God. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will eat, will dine with him and he with me. You know, that's a very interesting expression how Jesus finishes that. I'm going to have a meal with you and you're going to have a meal with me implying you're not going to have your phone out, you're not going to be talking on the phone with someone else, you're not going to be reading a book, you're not going to be glancing out the window, you're going to be focused on me. And that's, you know, the implication of having a family meal together. I can tell you from personal experience that when my family first came to this country, uh, we started from scratch as far as our possessions. We started from someone giving us a beat-up couch, and that was our couch, and we loved it, you know. Um, but one of the things that my parents bought after a couple of months was a black and white TV. This is long before internet, long before um, even cable was just starting to come out. So it was just the antenna. 
But my parents made the huge mistake of allowing my request, my beckoning, and my pleading to please bring the TV into the dining room. And though the family was eating together, we were all looking at the television. So this eating together is not, you know, a literal, if you're sitting down, if your kids are on the phone or if you're on the phone or if you're responding emails from work, that's not having a meal together. Um, and so that is, I think, practical. Put the phone away. In my house, um, I struggle with it and uh, trying to respond to text messages, trying to be prompt. Um, and sometimes I have a lot of things on my mind, but my wife very lovingly reminds me, um, this is family time. Put those things away. You will have time to get to those things later. And it's very, very worth it to put those things away. My time with my girls and the connecting that takes place really goes up humongously uh, as, as we focus on each other. Family meals lead to healthier food choices. Uh, that is, I think, very practical uh, as a practical reason for families to eat together. And don't misunderstand, we're looking at families, not simply, and this is valuable information, by the way, for your family, but to transpose all this to the church. A church that eats together, that has fellowship meals together, will experience the same experience of connecting. Uh, eating as a family leads to better grades. Uh, family dinners are a chance to explore new foods. Family dinners lead to greater happiness. Homemade meals promote portion control. Family dinners equal healthy kids because of those, those things, you know, healthier choices, portion control, it's homemade, less preservatives. Family dinners relieve stress and eating at home saves money, praise the Lord. Um, but family dinners relieve stress. Um, relationships relieve stress, which eating together allows for. You know, this, this for me is beautiful stats that I think are extremely valuable for any church to consider. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that we need to now start cranking out meals on a daily basis, but certainly if eating together is so important and the early church did it every day, can we move up a notch closer to having quality and maybe frequency as well? It takes a lot of sacrifice. It takes a lot of effort, but so does having a family meal. Trust me, it does. It takes a lot of sacrifice on my part when, when I try to help with the meals. Definitely on my wife's part when she tries to create meals for the home. Definite sacrifice of time, which is the biggest resource. Um, but the payouts, the, the return of investment is immeasurable. And I think our churches, my churches, all of our churches need to consider how often we get to eat together as a church, literally. I want to share some other stats right here. Uh, I started thinking, I wrote three things, by the way, meals, eating together, I wrote chores, and I wrote playing. Those are the three things that came to mind when I thought of healthy families. Families that eat together, the statistics show, are, tend to be healthier, have more time together with each other. Um, but, you know, there's, there's studies um, that there's, um, Harvard says that chores makes kids more successful. There's great benefits. Michigan State University says that there are many benefits of kids doing church from grades to family bonding to learning responsibility, building self-esteem. Chores are a healthy way by, of children to experience the transition from childhood to adulthood in a very safe, safe environment. So every, every family member gets involved. Um, and so at church, you know, we shouldn't think about the leaders as the older siblings that they'll help fold the laundry, they'll help vacuum the, 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 
the carpet. Um, when Gianna wants to start helping us vacuuming, you know who's trailing behind her, <laughs> helping her hold the hose for the vacuum cleaner? Anaya. But the reason Anaya does it, I think partly, is not simply because she wants to be involved with everything in the house. It's because she's seen the older sister do it. And that's, I think, modeling and discipleship that transposes to the church. And we should be looking for that. You know, there's this great struggle that I think some, in some churches have, some leaders may have in that, I want this done really well. And if we let a newbie do it, they'll probably botch it or they won't do it as well as we who are experienced can do it. But hold up a second. You who are experienced and can do this so well, did you always know how to do it this well? Or did someone allow you the opportunity to make mistakes so that you can get to where you are today? And are you willing to pass that favor, that grace to someone else today? Let us not become bottlenecks. Let us not become this uh, the plug that keeps things stagnant in the church because we do not empower and encourage our the younger members, the newer members, the little ones to be a part of doing, doing the chores, the responsibilities of the church. Many times it may not just be that people are unwilling to do, but maybe people are unwilling to yield, to allow others to step in into their places. So if you're a Sabbath school teacher, if you're a deacon, if you're a greeter and you do a great job, thank you. Thank you for your commitment. Thank you for your investment. Now I have a question for you. Are you teaching the little ones to do their part in the household of God? Are you allowing them to be also learn how to vacuum, how to do the dishes, how to teach, how to lead, how to create? These are the essentials of a healthy family. And all of these transpose beautifully into the church. And this is the last one that I want to share with you that I wrote here. Um, I told you, I wrote meals, eating together regularly, and the benefits that it presents, chores. It's a healthy way to build uh, character and self-esteem. And same thing in the church. Uh, and we, on Sabbath afternoon, I asked you, what's your body part? You know, what is your responsibility in church? We'll get to that uh, in, in uh, the upcoming lessons. The last one, though, I think is, is sometimes overlooked, especially in churches, because we're so, you know, mission-oriented. And uh, we forget that families that play together also stay together. Families that learn to enjoy each other's fellowship and laugh and enjoy, enjoy each other's company. Now, this maybe has, people are hesitant to go here because they may be concerned that a church that plays together will eventually, all, all they want to do is play together. <laughs> Let's get together for another round of volleyball or whatever. Um, I don't think that would be the case. I think most churches take their responsibilities with mission quite seriously. But sometimes we can take it so seriously that we become serious, um, meaning grumpy, grouchy, uh, unfriendly. And it can certainly happen in a family. Uh, my wife, uh, at times when I was, when Anaya was one or two years old and I was, um, actually she was a newborn, and I was still in, in Bering Springs finishing my, my Master's of Divinity, um, she would tell me, you know, Ariel, you got to smile to your baby. <laughs> I have this paper, I have this, and I have this Bible study and a board meeting and all of these things. And... Um, my wife was just awesome in that she would say, okay, let's go outside. And um, watching my little girl be ecstatic about the crunchiness of fall leaves and just, you know, loving it and squealing with joy every time she would crush a new leaf, it just relaxed me. And next thing I knew, I'm rolling in the leaves with my little girl, um, making piles of them. And my wife and I are throwing leaves at each other and our little girl's laughing. 
And I can tell you how therapeutic that was. So as a church, when was the last time you played together with the church? I want to praise God that we just had a chili cook-off uh, just recently at Oakwood. And it was so good to see everyone yip-yapping, having a meal together, enjoying, and the kids playing. And I don't think it should maybe be just the kids playing. It's okay to have conversations, but there's something about games that, uh, healthy games, you know, um, that promote camaraderie and cooperation and laughter that can be so therapeutic. We live in a non-stop world, in a world that is all about producing and work. And, you know, God says, uh, come and rest. And laughter is such a therapeutic thing for the body, for the mind, for the soul. Definitely a church that plays together will laugh. We, we experienced this at the Monroe Church some months ago when we had games together. Uh, we, we were laughing and just enjoying ourselves so much. And you know what? Those experiences bond us closer to each other. Eating together, empowering each other to do chores together, and of course, playing together. So my question to you, my church member, is are you going to wait for someone to create this at the church? Are you thinking, yeah, our church needs to do that. Someone needs to do that. Maybe you that are listening should be doing this. Why wait for someone else to do things? Maybe that's your part of the body. Maybe instead of you saying, well, I'm not a leg, I'm an arm, and feet are supposed to move in that direction, Paul would say, why not you? So today, I'm asking you, if you are seeing needs in your church that could really be a blessing to create this oneness, why not you? Thank you.